Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Gary Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Standing in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Jones gets his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is! Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going Inside the Ropes. G'day everybody, welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 14. Another big week in the world of golf and some great stories to kick around. Jason Norris, principal amongst all of those. And, of course, the FedEx Cup playoffs begin in earnest. A load to talk about. Hannah Green to join us. Scott Hen not far away from joining us on the show as well. So a million reasons to stick around and stay tuned. Mark Hayes is here, as he always is. Hello, Hayesy. Hello, Murray. I'm excited to have Hendy on. I love him. Yes. And also... I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be brave enough to say this to him, but he could be the only worst-dressed person in golf than me. Worst? Yeah. So you're taking the fluoro on straight away. Oh, well. Hopefully you're going to be bold enough to talk to him about well, I think one of, us, one of us is going to... No, have, you've yeah. declared that you're the hand, I think. You're the man who's going to have to take him on. <laughs> Hello, Blakey. Martin Blake joins us. G'day, Andy. Oh, I, was going... I think that's true. He is the worst, but uh, oh. I'm not sure. Can you sort of take him on about this? He wears no, that loud Don't look at me. Gear, you're the two it? have said he's the worst dressed. So I've got no issues with a bit of fluoro action out there on the golf course. The worst thing, the worst thing that I've seen anyone wear this year, was the shirt that Henrik Stenson wore on the last yeah. day of the Open. Oh, the Open, yeah. yeah. Looked what like a, someone splashed paint on it. Yeah, I think Clates might have mentioned it was like somebody had got him with one of those black marker pens and just drawn all over it, yeah. really badly mm. coloured shirt. Anyway, it was shocking what could, Stenson wore. Could have been the inspiration for that Eminem song, you know. Oh. All the spaghetti down the shirt, you know, he's not quite ready, or whatever the word is. Oh, I'm, I don't oh, know. You're a man. Yeah. <laughs> we might oh, have gone off the track a little bit. I'm a wedding's party yeah, anything, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, there's a load to talk about. Scott Henders, I said, not too far away. Uh, where do we want to start, boys? Do we want to start with it? The th- My favourite story of the week was um, was Jason Norris, I've got to say. And we spoke to him briefly last week after his opening round. Yeah, how well are we going? I know. We're getting him on the show, and he wins the Fiji International. It was great, wasn't it? We've got more to talk about that in a minute of people who are coming on inside the ropes and then really pressing on with their careers, Sandy. So uh, that's fantastic for Norrie. 44 years of age, Sandy. Gives pretty, us all hope. Pretty handy. And and two years of exemption uh, European tour, which is, as I've said to you before, should really be called the world tour because yep. they go everywhere. Um, it's just huge um, for Jason Norris. So see this guy who you know has been on the Australian-Australasian tour, a prominent member for... Oh, I'm going to say 20 years. Yeah, 15 to 20 years. 15 to 20 years. And he'd all but given up the the realisation of being a full-time touring pro, hadn't he? I mean, he was picking yeah. and choosing. He had a club job at Glenelg. And he'd pretty much said, well, that's it. I'll play here and there when it suits me and I can get to a tournament. Work lets me have a go. But he, he's clearly in the last 12 months or something, something's clicked and he's decided to have a go again. And what a fantastic realisation for him to, to beat what was a pretty good field up there in Fiji. Yeah, literally less than a month ago, he's still at the Grange, it was. Um, the Grange. Selling, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. As, as Blakey put it last week, selling jumpers. Selling but also, jumpers. Also, right. also giving lessons and things like that. Just, you know, he'd gone back into the, the vocational pro role, basically, 
uh, you know, and was living that life, which is a great life in itself. But something in him just said, you know, I've got to have one more crack. And I think he convinced his beautiful bride to uh, have a go. And now we're going to see him on the mountaintops of Switzerland in uh, in in a very short space of time, man. He's um, crooning away there. Playing. You ever go, Tony Blakey? Grand-Sierre. You ever go? Oh, I'm done with it. I can't <laughs> even get Eminem. I think that's where Adam Scott lives, is it? Yeah, he's got cran- a, yeah. it's Grand-Sierre. Yeah. He's yeah. got a joint there. It is that, that cron, I don't know what hole is. got to give it a bit of the cron. Oh, the 12th cron. or the, I can't remember what hole. But it is, that, there is, it is the best locked off shot in the world of golf oh, yeah. on an annual basis. That one where the, the sort of tabletop green yeah. at the top of the hill and it's that infinity view on the other side. It's just magnificent. But don't the commentators let you know about oh, it? Oh, they do let you know about it. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, Hendy's missus will be happy if she's getting a trip to a business class flight over there and he's rewarding her for all the time and effort that she's put into the career build. Correct. Um, hey, he was on with um, he was on with the boys on RSN Breakfast uh, during the week and uh, rem- talking about what you know, the future now looks like for him, and it's a real game-changer for Jason Norris. Yeah, I definitely life-changing. I, um, well, you know, I've still come back down to earth. I've, uh, I've been on the phone for three days, been to a media. It's all, <laughs> all different life, you know. I'm not used to that much, and uh, oh, it's great, you know, to, to be able to go to Europe. I'm uh, heading off in another week, so uh, it's pretty pretty amazing stuff, really. The European Tour handed me a schedule, and the Asian Tour handed me a schedule, and you, you look at it, and you, you know, enjoy the ground. I'm like, wow, I haven't played that many tournaments in 21 years of my career playing for that much money. And <laughs> yeah, you look at them, they're all 5 million US, 3 million US, 7 million. You just go, unbelievable. You know, they play every week. And to be exempt in 95% of them is just, just outstanding. You, you can hear the excitement in his voice, can't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it changes your world. I mean, literally what you saw as your life yesterday ceases to be what it was then. It's yeah. a completely different outlook, a life outlook that sits in front of him now. Yeah. So here's That's the weird, awesome. here's the weird thing. You, you talk about it, someone like a Jeff Ogilvie who we'll mention in a minute, uh, you know, who's past 40 now. Mike Clayton wrote a good piece about him on golf.org.au this week about how difficult it is to keep going after you're 40 in golf. Mm. Yet there are some guys, and Scott Hen's coming on the program later, which we mentioned, he's in his 40s as well. Some guys actually find something at a later stage. Golf is, is unpredictable in that way. There's, I don't think there's too many other sports like that. Well, it's a, be- it's a beautiful segue because Scott Hen's ready to go. And okay. he was up there in Fiji playing alongside Jason Norris and the rest of them. And had it not been for cold putter uh, in the second last couple of rounds of the tournament, who knows, he might have been sticking his nose right in the, uh, in the frame again, which is something that he does a lot of these days. He's been good enough to join us on Inside the Robes. Hello, Scotty. How you going, boys? We're going well. Hey, we've just been talking about Jason Norris, and of course you're up there in Fiji, and you know this is a dog eat dog world up there, and you're all you know in it for to to get what you can get out of the game. It's you know man on man, all that sort of stuff. But I imagine you've known if you don't know Jason Norris very well, you'd have known of him for a long time. Um, Can you step away from you know your own kind of performance up there and imagine what a life changer it is for a guy like Norrie? Yeah, well, I'm fortunate enough that I do know Norrie very well. And, um, <laughs> it's uh, he's a, he's a great guy, and, and and for him to win that tournament is from what he's been through and the ups and downs of golf, obviously, and the struggles he's been through for him to actually win a tournament and get status in Europe. It's it's a fantastic, fantastic thing for him, and I, I was very very happy for him. 
How big a change does it make? Uh, you know, Blakey just said, Scott, that you know you're playing uh, the best golf of your life now. Um, how big a change to your life and the way you plan, um, you know, what your life's going to look like for at least the next couple of years? How, how big a change is that? Well, it's going to be spending a lot more time away from home. Obviously, way uh, much further from Australia. So that's the first thing you got to try and organise your um, your off golf course life. And hopefully, I'm pretty sure, and I know that Norrie's got a very supportive partner. So that'll be a good thing with what he's doing. You just need to try and uh, not play yourself too much and get too tired. It's going to be the hard thing for him because now he's got all these opportunities. Andy, uh, he's 44. Jason Norris, same age as you, I think. Um, how do you find your best golf at that age? Is it a, is it a, a thing where you just kind of find a key? Uh, find something within your game, find a, a better way to get the ball in the hole? I'm talking about you, you know, your golf, really. Yeah, I, just, I think some of us mature, um, obviously not physically, but mentally in, in the golf capacity a little bit later in life, and we, we just sort of settle down a little bit more. I mean, um, I've been up in a bit of a, bit of a hothead, and, and, and same nah. with Corey and some other guys. But, uh, you know, we settle down a little bit, and I guess we, we sort of find something. I don't know. I can't put my finger exactly on it, but um, for some reason it comes together a little bit better. Because do you do you play the same game? Because you've always been a big hitter. It, uh, it's always been said that you're a long hitter, but have you found a, do you Do you play different in a tactical sense or a course management sense nowadays? Are you more conservative, do you think, or do you know when to really go for it? Yeah, you sort of sum it up a little bit better. You're not... You're not outright aggressive from the first hole you sort of just sit back a little bit and make sure you, you plod your way around the golf course and, and you, you try and be aggressive when you need to be I mean it doesn't work out that way all the time sometimes you sit there and have a go at it anyway <laughs> so uh, you just need to sort of yeah, find something where you're happy within yourself are you happy plotting? Oh, I can't imagine that you would you'd be happy sort of plotting your way around a golf course sort of too often is that something that um, is that been one of the keys that Blakey was talking about that has unlocked this, you know, really good form that you found yourself in the last few years? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm generally aggressive by nature anyway, and um, I sort of match my golf. You find some people's golf, it's a strange thing, some people's golf matches their, their personality and the, and the way they are. Um, for some reason, I like to be a little bit more on the, on the front foot and have a crack at it, and when I don't get to have a go at it, I get very frustrated. So that's... When I say you've got to find something within yourself, sometimes you've got to sit there and go, well, I want to have a go at it, but I can't. And I think it's just with, with age and experience, that comes a little bit easier to sort of ease it back a little bit. Andy, it's Mark Hayes. Clearly by now, you know, ultimately you would have probably loved to have had three green jackets and a couple of claret jugs or whatever in, in your cupboard there. But would you have changed anything to have gotten to where you are now? What would you have done differently, if anything at all? pretty happy with, with what I've done, mate. I've, I've came from you know, a military background. Dad was in the Air Force. We, 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 we didn't have much. We, had, we, we got what we needed. Um, I've managed to work my way from playing on Air, Air, Air Force golf courses, nine-hole golf courses, up through the ranks and, and making money out of my job, loving what I do. Um, if I could... Possibly change something would be to be a little bit more uh, in the mental position I am now. It'd be nice to uh, people always say, "Geez, it'd be nice to know what I know now and, mm. and be twenty years younger." You can never have that, but 
to be a little bit more um, up there mentally and know the game a bit better and know myself better when I was younger would be would have been great. Mate, you, I, I, I put it to you that you are Australia's most global golfer, mm. um, and, and I'm including Day, Scott, anyone in that mix there. How does that sound to you? I mean, it's an incredible thing for you know you you were under the radar for a long time. No offence, but you are Australia's most globally recognised or your most global golf citizen mm. that we have. I bet you've been through a few passports. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, fortunately, I was able to get two passports there. So, uh, from the Australian government, it was great, and I've used both of them. But uh, <laughs> in this game, if you don't travel, if you don't travel, you don't earn money. It's pretty much all there is to it. I mean. I haven't got the luxury of being back on the US tour of just travelling around the States. But as us guys, as Australians, we, we our home country is a long way from nowhere and we have to uh, travel a lot to, to play and that's just the way it goes, unfortunately. Are you proud of that or would you like to be based somewhere? Oh, well, I'm based in Florida, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to be, obviously, if, if it's not your dream and not your, your goal to be on the US tour, then I think you're in the wrong job. I'd love to be in the U.S. playing full-time week in, week out of the U.S. playing for 7 to $10 million a week. and That'd be lovely. But, <laughs> you know, you take what you can get, and that's all there is to it. So, mate, you find yourself a few weeks ago in a very, very, very high-profile group with Hideki Matsuyama um, at, at Firestone. Does that open your eyes? Does it scare you? Does it encourage you? What does that do? Because, you know, that you are right where you want to be, according to what you just said. Yeah, well... I'm not scared of anything. You got to, you got to stand up and face it. You know, that's the only way you got to do it in this game. We're, we're all, we're all equal, just at that, at that level. And sometimes a little bit of a spark gets a guy to go on and kick on. Playing with Hideki, I know Hideki. I've known him for a lot of years, and he's a fantastic player. And the way he played on the Sunday was phenomenal. I and mean, I shot three over on the Sunday and felt like I had 120 standing there watching him play. <laughs> So, so it, it's a little bit disappointing in, in the sense that if I had a shot, if I still had a shot two or three under on Sunday, I may have had PJ Tour status. That's the only thing that really disappointed me. So, so Scott, you say you're not scared, and absolutely, you know that's the truth, obviously. But when you are playing in these, you know, the WGC events and these major championships, and you're playing alongside, you know, guys who sit number one on the money earning and, and these big groups. Do you feel more comfortable in that environment? Do you feel like you belong there now? Um, whereas perhaps, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe once you you didn't necessarily feel like you belong there. Have you always had that confidence in your own game? Is that is that or is that kind of developed in the last you know four or five years? Well, I, I put it. It's akin to like when you first turn up to your first day of high school or your first day of university. And, you don't know what's going on. You feel a little bit uncomfortable with, with all these other people around that you you think are, are great achievers and have achieved all, all, all the stuff in the in the field. And you just sit there and you go, well, I can do this. And somehow you've got to figure out and get a way of being comfortable in those groups. A lot of it comes with time. And that's the only thing that I can say to you is that once you've been there a few times, you feel a little bit more settled. The bigger events, as in like the, the majors, that's a little bit different because the crowds are usually different there, and that's something that takes a bit to get used to as well. Handy, it's Martin Blake. Um, Andy and uh, Hazy have been potting you for the gear that you wear. Oh, no, that's uh, not true. And, and uh, <laughs> Don't you, be, don't you, I, I love don't you it. shrink now that he's, you're actually speaking to him. <laughs> no, how long have you been wearing the loudmouth gear? And what's, why, why do you like wearing that stuff? It's, it's pretty out there, isn't it? Oh, come on, mate. <laughs> oh, it's Phoenix. Phoenix apparel. It's not... It's, 
Oh, really? Sorry, I've got the wrong one. It's not a loud mouth. Oh, right, okay. Phoenix Apparel. Okay, mentioned that a few times. Now, why do you? Uh, what is it about that that appeals to you? Oh, mate, I've always, I've always, uh, back, back in the day, in 2004, 2005, when I was on the PJ Tour, I used to wear the, the bright coloured silk trousers and all this sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, sometimes you, gotta, you feel like you just want to stand out on a day and... and it's not, it's not that much fun wearing black and grey all the time, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and I have to ask you about the Olympics, Hendy. Uh, at uh, the British Open last year, I spoke to you about uh, the fact that you'd been pulled into the Australian team to play with Marcus Fraser. And I, I remember saying to you, you know, what are you worried about the Zika virus? And you just absolutely brushed it off, mate. I've played in every corner of the world. A, a mosquito's not going to bother me. I, I loved your attitude because... It's funny, uh, everyone's forgotten about the Zika virus. Yeah, yeah, well, that was that was something that wasn't really worrying me at all when I got picked for the team. And um, you know, There's a lot of things, different different places in the world, there's a lot of viruses and stuff that people don't really know of or hear of, which are, possibly could be worse than the Zika virus. But uh, like I said at the time, you know, it's a, it's a once, possibly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and you got to grab it with both hands and run with it, and that's... That's what I did, and we had a great time. And the way Marcus played out there, I went out and followed him for a few holes after I finished my round when he shot his eight under. Played awesome. It's a shame that he didn't carry through on the on the last day and, and, and get a medal because he was playing good enough. And it was it was great to be there with Finchie and, and Big Daz, our bodyguard, and, and the brother-in-law, and you know Jason Wallace and all these guys. We had a great time. It was it was an awesome experience. And are you are you a believer that golf has got a long term future at the Olympics? I have if the format has changed. Yeah, we can't play the Olympics in a in a single single stroke format. It needs to be more of a team orientated sort of uh, setup. So when the, when the gold medal or silver medal or the bronze medal is handed out, two of the guys stand up there, and we did this as a team for our country. Mm. Mm. Mate, you're you're passionate about you know. A lot of things. Um, we've been banging on on this show for the last few weeks about some of the, I guess, vagaries of the rules of golf. Uh, do you have an opinion on some of the things that have been, uh, you know, getting so much airplay in this past six months, you know, anchoring the putters and uh, and things like that, marking of the ball? So is there something that, you know, you as a you know, long-time pro gets aggrieved by here? I've always seen a bit dodgy marking of the golf balls. I mean, the camera isn't always on guys, and some guys you know, don't really mark the ball as they should. And the other thing that gets me is anchoring in the putter. I mean, we've just seen the last couple of weeks a few guys on the senior tour that 100% anchor the putter. Mm. Now, that's not up for us as players to sort out. It's up for the governing bodies, and I think they're a little bit lapsed and a little bit weak in their intestinal fortitude to get out there and do something about it. So if it was your call and your call alone, read a putter, what would you do? Well, it's 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 a tough tough call to to say a certain length for a putter because if you get a guy who's seven foot eight who wants to play golf, he can't use a thirty four or thirty five inch putter, can he? So you, you you need to just sort of sit out there and go. Well, definitely, it's going to be no anchoring. And if the only guys that look like they're anchoring are the ones that put it against their chest, and that's pretty much simply the way it is. So, like I said, the governing bodies have to get in there and actually do something about it when they see these guys doing it. I mean, we we all sit there and watch it on TV. We all watch the Senior British Open. And I guarantee you, uh, Ian Woosnam, Scott McCarran, Bernard Lunger, all those guys, it, it, 
looked 100% as if the, the thumb, back of the thumb, back of the hand was anchoring on the chest in that wind when it was blowing on the forearm. So, mate, with a ball and with the ball movement as well, um, I don't know how you ever confront that. But do you ostracise guys you know who are dodgy? Do do they get the cold shoulder from the other pros in the locker room? No, we all know we all know which guys are dodgy and which ones aren't, and it's uh, it's, it's like a workplace, mate. You got a hundred people in the workplace. You'll get on with ten of them, and you know ten of them you won't get on with, and the other eighty people is so so. You just don't associate with the people that you think are a little bit dodgy and you just go and do your own business. But when you're playing on the golf course, I'm a firm believer in playing by the by the way the book is. And if, if you if you uh, don't get on with me because I pull a rule on you because you broke it, then, you know, I don't really care. Need, we need to play by the rules, and that's all there is to it. The, the, getting sort of back to what Hazy asked you before, Scotty, this is the problem with your game, though, because... If the rules officials aren't going to do anything about it, um, these guys are taking money, you know, out of your pocket. Yeah. It's that's the reality of it. So, I mean, have you ever felt, you know, because the authorities are you know mealy mouthed, or they're not going to do anything about it? Have you ever felt the need to say something to a you know a fellow competitor? Well, look, if I was playing with a guy who was anchoring, I'd, I'd say something to him for sure. But you got to look at it this way: a rules official drives up on the twelfth hole to a guy who's been so-called anchoring, the part of the rules official walks on the green and goes, we've, we've had a report that we're pretty sure you're anchoring the putter. Are you anchoring it? And the player goes, no, I'm not. Yeah. End of story. So where, where do you go from there? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, well Bernard Langer, uh, for example, has uh, has said that he's not anchoring it, even though he's, he's holding it and it looks like he's anchoring it. But, uh, yeah, it's difficult. What about the ball, Hendy? Do you think well, do you agree with what people say about the ball going too far, ruining the old courses? Well, I just think it's a lot easier for a lot more people to hit the clubs. I think the ball is okay. It's improved in technology wise, and it's getting a lot better, and it's more durable. But I think the golf clubs has enabled the average golfer to become good. Um, the good golfers have become very good, and obviously the world beaters are going to beat anyone anyway. You go back to the days of Jack Nicholas. How, how far did Nicholas used to hit it compared to everybody else? I mean, he hit it miles yeah. compared to all the other people. There's always somebody in the generation who's going to hit it miles. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it is. Who's the best player? You know, in the in your journey, uh, and you played as Hazy and like you said before, you played you know everywhere. Who's the best player you've ever played alongside or against, Scott? Oh, there's obviously many, but I think uh, the one who impressed me a lot is is obviously the current world number one, Dustin Johnson. I've played with him a couple of times, and he just smokes it. It goes so far, it's ridiculous. Because you, I mean, you do hit it a long way. When you're when you're playing against a guy who hits at those sorts of distances, do you? Is it hard to stay inside your own game, or do you feel like you know you need to find that extra ten or fifteen, twenty meters somehow? Is that is it okay? Can you, are you good at just going? No, no. Just don't worry. Don't even look at him. Just just do your own thing. Well, maybe when I was back in my twenties, I'd probably think like that. Feel like I've got to hit it longer. But as I've as I've got older into my mid thirties and you know in my early forties here, it's it's more about focusing and orientated on my own game and not worried about how far these other guys hit it. Because at the end of the day, as we all know, you got to write a score on the scorecard, and the lower score wins. So it's just about managing the golf course and getting around the best you can. But it is quite impressive to watch some of these young guys just smoke it. It's just ridiculous how far they hit it. 
How long can you? In there. So the technique's great. How long can you keep competing, Andy? How long is this the fire in your belly going to keep burning as brightly as it is? Oh, I reckon seventy-eight or seventy-nine. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a bad job you've probably, got. Probably about, probably about the same time. Probably about the same time the Brisbane Lions contend for a flag. <laughs> they're coming good, mate. Don't worry about that. They're, they're starting. They're a long way back, but I reckon they'll climb up the ladder pretty quickly. That mob. Yeah. They've got some uh, handy talent on their on their list, but that's a conversation for another podcast on another day. I just want to say one thing because Andy's in charge here, Andy, of wrapping things up. But I want to, like, personally, as a as a working journo, thank you for you know. Uh, being accessible and speaking your mind at so many tournaments. And I know it endears uh, you to a lot of people who don't get the chance to express those thoughts. So perhaps on behalf of them, I want to say thanks because it's uh, it's always great to hear your thoughts. No worries. Anytime, fellas, you know me, I'm not scared to, uh, to broach the issue. doesn't worry me at all. I've been around long enough and, you know, some people like me, some people don't, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. Well, we do. We like you and it's been a joy to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us on Inside the Rope, Scott. Thanks a lot. Scott Hand joining us on the program. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program near you, visit swingfit.com.au. Hi, this is Rod Pampling. Anytime you guys want to tune in and find out what's happening around the world, listen to Inside the Road. Great, uh, great way to find out what the Aussies are doing. Keep your ears on. Oh, he's a fantastic uh, ambassador for the game. and uh, It's a really good point you made, Hazy, about the accessibility that um, you and you know the, the working journos, you, you as well, Blakey, obviously have um, always enjoyed with people like Scott Hen. The, the game in Australia really needs people like him. Absolutely, you know we've had um, the good fortune to talk to you know Matty Griffin and Jeff Ogilvy and other people in the same category. But Hendy's, um, you know, one, a rare beast. Uh, he's probably over and above them because he literally doesn't care mm. what you know what anyone thinks of him. And I. You know, you can say that about Jeff Ogilvy in terms of voicing an opinion, but I still think he's got some sort of element of his, you know, internally um, that says, you know, I wonder what he thinks about that. I wonder what she thinks about that. And he doesn't care. And I, mean, I say that in a good way. Like he, Absolutely. He, he needs, he's just free in his thoughts. And I, I just a great, um, well, I think it's a funny little anecdote, Andy. I hope you don't mind me sort of sharing it here. I was at the 2015... Open Championship at St Andrews, and and Hendy got absolutely stitched up by the rulings uh, where he was on the course in those ridiculously crazy winds that forced the suspension of play. He was made to putt out uh, and keep playing, and other people stood their ground and were allowed to stand their ground by inactive officials um, who were probably scared of their names as opposed to Hendy, and they pushed him through, and, and he played magnificent golf in the worst possible conditions and missed the cut by a shot came off went postal absolutely ballistic at a whole range of people not least of which was the rna and the officials acting there uh i was standing next to brendan james of golf australia magazine and we sort of looked at each other i've never heard quotable quotes like this off a golf course so i filed the story dutifully and you know 
exactly as cast and Blakey back in the uh, GA headquarters had the dubious honour of editing it. Blakey, I don't know if you've ever seen anything <laughs> I, like it. I had the. Uh, I was almost straight on the phone to the uh, legal department <laughs> at that point. Oh my goodness! Can I? Can we publish this? You know? right. uh, anyway, we did. I think we might have. We might have watered it down a tick, but it was it was difficult. About three, watered down about three quarters, and we still had a lot of calls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, it, I'd, I'd love him. Yeah. You know, he, he may not want to ever have a beer with me. That's not what I'm saying. But I just really appreciate that he comes off and tells it to you like it is, and uh, you know where you stand. And he's and a world class player too, isn't he, Blake? Yeah, that's the thing about him now. He's, you you know, asking the question right off the top about why now? Well, yeah. he, it is now, and he's doing it at this age, and he's playing that. The he's, last three years have been his best three years mm, ever. He's won. He won in your. Uh, Asia last year. He's won nine events in Asia, mm. Scott Hand. You know, he just he hasn't declined at all. He just keeps playing the same and, in fact, a little bit better. So Not too many you know, And I just, I just loved that uh, that comment last year at the, at the Olympics, you know, Zika virus, what Zika virus, you know, yeah. like, yeah. couldn't yep. care less. Yep. And not too many people on any major tour in the world winning order of merits over the age of 40. No, no. It really says everything about him. And particularly in an emerging part of the world like you know, in Asia. Oh, yeah. we, saw, when we saw what um, Jazz uh, did... In the final, I'm not even going to try. Come on. No chance. I like just calling him Jazz. You're a broadcaster. I can't. J- Give it to us. JJ. Um, we saw what he did. The, in the Thai final. golfer, you mean. There are that many good players out of Asia at the moment yeah. who, in their conditions, are remarkable players. Yeah. Like, unbelievable players. And yeah. Hendy has got them covered. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it's not a walk in a park in the park over there. It's not a good player going over there and just cherry picking. No. He beats some high quality players in familiar conditions to them week in, week out. Correct. Um, FedEx Cup, boys, it starts this week. Uh, we're off to the Northern Trust. It all kicks off. We've got five Australians have qualified, but they're not six, all going to. Six with Scotty, but Scotty's, Scotty's declining not playing. To play. Of course, yeah. yeah. So five will be playing. Yeah. We're not unhappy about it. We understand why Scotty's not playing. It's not even an issue, really. Um, are we surprised? People would be surprised to know that Cameron Smith's the second highest Australian qualifier in, wouldn't they? They, they would. People would find that. I think he'd be the third. I think we've got uh, Leishman fourteen, Leishman. Yeah, Smith 40. Smith forty. Oh, is he even ahead of day? Body eighth. Yeah. Is, well, there you go. No, See, I'm surprised. Well, yeah, what finish. I don't know, Hazy, and you might know this is he had the win in the teams event yep. with Jonas Blixt. Does he get? Well, did he get? I don't think he got FedEx points for that. Did there he? were no world golf ranking points. They got half FedEx Cup half. points, and okay. he had the big finish at Wyndham last week. Finished tied seven there. So yeah. that's obviously catapulted him. It's handy. Um, over Jason Day. Yeah. yeah. So we've got Leishman, Smith, Day, Pampling. And Ogilvy teeing it up. Have they before? We, we want to hear from Jeff Ogilvy in a minute, who I reckon casts an interesting observation on how he sees the FedEx Cup playoffs. Yeah, we love sport. We love all sport, and generally the playoffs are the time when we're we're supposed to get like super engaged. It's yeah. not the home and away. Do you feel that has that has worked with the FedEx Cup playoffs? Has, has it captured your imagination the way? Um, they would like it to? Well, I don't think it captures my imagination in the sense that, you know, the major championships are what does that and they occur through the year as opposed to a, a domestic football season which has a defined crescendo right at the end. So in that sense, it doesn't capture your imagination. But I do think the players now are actively working towards it and, and fine-tuning their schedules to get there. Mm. But whether they're going in there with that sort of, you know, dog-eat-dog sort of attitude that you'd expect in a football final series, whatever your code is... You know, I don't think that happens, Andy. Do you like? Are you? Will you be getting up in the morning having a look at it? I'll watch it. I don't mind it. I don't mm. mind the system. 
Uh, it's a Tim Fincham, former commissioner, creation to try and create some interest at the end of the year after the majors finish. John Huggan, who we've had on this program, who also writes for golf.org.au, Scottish golf writer, great man. He might even be listening to this. He cannot stand it. He thinks that the the bluster and the PR that comes out of the tour and on the television coverage is way over the top. Is he correct about that? Yeah, he probably is. I but, he is too, yeah. but look, at the end of the day, it's they back they back up the truck, don't they? The players this time of year, all these four events are all worth eight eight and a half million US dollars. If they can get into the you know if you get into the top thirty, play the the tour championship at Atlanta. Uh, you know, the top is it top five have got a chance to win the actual FedEx Cup bonus. That's ten uh, million. The FedEx all th- bonus, all which can, Rory did. All thirty okay. can technically mathematically win it. So the realistically is five now, or six. Yeah. So Rory McIlroy last year wins the Tour Championship. That puts him on top of the FedEx, so he gets the ten million bonus, eleven and a half million in a day. Happy days. I mean, and you know, Rory doesn't need it. You know, none of these blokes need it. Once they, once they qualify the top 125 that year, yeah. they've all done pretty well. They don't need the Is it the offensive, money. the money? I think it is. I oh, think it is. I mean, no it's, it's, tip, it's tipping mm. into blokes who have got plenty. Mm. I would have thought the game, and it's up to FedEx, their sponsor, it's up to them how they want to spend the money. Yeah. But the game could, be, could use that money, that unbelievable amount of money. <laughs> it could use that amount of money so much better, I would have thought. I think one thing that uh, you know we, we, we do lose sight of, and it goes to what Blakey was just saying about Huggy, the tour itself hasn't got that many massive properties. I mean, it's got the Players' Championship. Good point. Uh, so this is what they really need to hang their hat on. Mm. Um, because after the Players' is done in, in you know May and soon to be March, um, all the big events, all the major championships are owned or sanctioned or whatever by other people. Um, they're just sort of along for the ride with the two Opens, the Masters and the PGA Championship. So, you know, it, it's something that they probably themselves think they need to pump up. It's a good point. Andy, uh, Jeff Ogilvie, uh, we could probably segue into his words that we've got with him here, but he finished 116th. He was 125th when he started the Wyndham last week. So if he'd missed the cut, he, he, would, dropped have dropped, he would have dropped out. And, and he, he actually drop, he yeah. was outside the yeah. cut. He then, I think he had four birdies in five holes or something, got himself in. Uh, so that gets him his card for next year as well, and he, automatic. So, so it was a big week for Jeff. A massive week. Couldn't agree with you more. And, and sort of apropos of what we were talking about in terms of has it captured the imagination, this Ogilvy yeah. gets himself in, and there are four guys who have um, gone through the Tour Championship from outside the top 100 going in. Slocum, Streelman, Hoffman and O'Hare, uh, 9, 10, 14, 16. So they were the years they did it. You listen to Jeff Ogilvy, and he might just be in the frame of mind where he might follow him in given the relaxed nature that he's going to be taking into the FedEx Cup playoffs. I've got nothing to lose now. You know, I just, if I play well, great. If I don't, I get an extra few weeks off and I get to hang out with the kids and I've got the President's Cup as an assistant captain coming up, which is going to be pretty exciting. So, um, yeah, not even, this is a 1 out of 10 pressure compared to last week. Do you kind of get, I mean, I have no trouble understanding what he's talking about, but... It sort of disappoints me. I would have thought that mm. this was an aspiration. Like, get in there, get in there, and then I'm going to, you know, that, that's what they want the FedEx Cup playoffs to be. Like, mm. They want, I can get I can get through to week two. I'm going to grind to get through to week three. I'm going to tr- try to get these. That, that is what they, I think, want the players. But for Jeff Ogilvy, it's, well, I've had a great year now. Who cares whether I go past week one, because there's a million other things I'd rather be doing anyway. And got the ticket for next year. Exactly. Did you see the, yeah. the uh, I think it was an Instagram post that his wife Julie put on 
Instagram with with uh, one of his kids sitting at the breakfast table and saying, you know, it was a, it was a great thing. It's worth looking at um, if the listeners can get hold of that. It's just Jeff sitting at the table with one of his uh, little kids and and uh, Julie just saying, you know, that oh, she was talking about the pressure that he was under and stuff like that and what a big week it had been in the household because golf doesn't define him. It was something along these lines. Golf doesn't define him, but it's his livelihood. Isn't so, it? Yeah, well, yeah. that's great. And isn't it nice that a guy like Overy here from his amateur days has been, you know, like as fierce a competitor as anybody that Australian golf has produced? I mean, he is, yeah. you know, he, he's been a tough, tough fighter. Top three in the world. Isn't yeah. it nice that he still, when he has to, he can still dig deep and find what it takes to get himself inside inside the cut? He, know, said, he said some fascinating things uh, in a press conference before this Northern Trust this week, um, basically saying, uh, those along those lines, he said, "If I'm prodded, my best is still right there. He just needs to get prodded these days." Yeah. So he got prodded, you know, clearly at the Wyndham, and away he went. Twenty nine on the front nine uh, on the Sunday. I mean, it was extraordinary golf. Um, just six under, just right when he needed it most. That's gold. I mean, hopefully yeah. he puts himself in a position where he can make that really pay in a major again one day. Hmm. He thinks he clearly can. And in Clayton's piece that Blakey referred to earlier. He says his swing is exactly the same as it used to be. So it's just a matter of for him, you know, getting that groove on, finding his putter when he needs it most. A fascinating thing with Jeff Ogilvy, I was just, he's almost committed himself to the Australian Open effectively, um, which is great. And I thought, oh, that's good. You know, another elite PGA Tour player coming back. Went and did a little bit of research yesterday, Murray, and he missed. He made his debut in the 1995. Australian Open yep. as an amateur was low amateur finished tied 15th he's missed one Australian Open championship in that time and it was the year that he was trying to get his PGA Tour card at Q School so he's been not only a um, you know a, a good player overseas he's dedicated himself to coming home and giving back to the game and and also I think um, you know he, he talks up a good game for when he's away like he, he he's an active recruiter yeah, yeah. It, it's great and Gives back to the President's Cup in that vice-captain's role. I, re- I really appreciate what he does too. I don't want to make this sound sycophantic here this week, but we've, we're talking about a couple of really good players on, a, on both levels of the game. Yeah, kind of milk and honey kind of mood today. Hazy? I yeah. like it. That's nice. Very positive. It a change for you. You yeah. don't want to make yeah. Andy laugh because he's oh. done the intercostal muscle. Oh, just don't. don't <laughs> he, can't, he can barely oh, sit no, still in no the good. chair. That's no good. Um, yeah. before, so I want to get to your column. Um, before Hannah Green's not too far away from joining us. I want to get to your column in a moment. But before we do, um, just there's a bit of amateur news that we should touch on. Um, yeah, so we, I mean, we talked last week at the, in the middle of the US Amateur Championship. Uh, we had a few still going, a few live chances. We got down one into the quarterfinals. It was Travis Smythe. Uh, tremendous effort. Um, a guy from just outside Wollongong. Um, plays his pennant now at St. Michael's, pennants, I should say, for New South Wales at St. Michael's. Outstanding young bloke. We'll get him on sometime soon. Uh, he got Commonly down known the, as the man bun. The man the bun, man yep. Bun. Uh, he got down to the quarterfinals and eventually lost on the 18th hole to the, or he lost on the 18th hole to the eventual champion, Doc Redmond. So, you know, he can hold his head high there, Trav, and he's climbed to a world high in the, in the amateur rankings. Uh, I think just around 20 there somewhere. So, Really making a fist of it. Won't be long until he goes pro. One of the things he's got to hang on for here is the Asia Pacific Amateur Championship, which is probably the other key piece of amateur news. Is that uh, the top six guys at the uh, time the rankings were set, 
the cutoff date, he made that team clearly with Harrison Endicott and Dylan Perry, also of New South Wales. Great effort by those guys. Two from Queensland, Shea Wolves, Cobb and Charlie Dan, and of course, Min Woo Lee, one of our favourites. So they'll be off at Royal Wellington uh, at the end of October, trying to get their ticket to the Masters uh, next April, of course. And one last thing, probably, yep. Andy, yep. from the amateur world, um, the Queensland Stroke Play Championship was held earlier this week. Uh, and the girls' side, Becky Kay beat Grace Kim, which is a, probably important of things to come in. in Two in a row, I think, golf. for Becky. Yeah, it is. Mm. And a great effort. She's in good form this year. So she won the women's side. But there was a guy called Cade McBride who won the men's. And I just want to read this. In one in one uh, 18 hole stretch, Andy, I think it was his third round, he shot a double bogey on the first, a double bogey on the third. A triple bogey on the on the fifth, and a bogey on the twelfth, and shot an even par seventy two. With three sevens, wasn't it? Three sevens. Yeah, he's it was played, an incredible. He's card. played it's like one of my cards. Yes, <laughs> it's extraordinary. He's played the par fives in two, four, five, four over. He had one birdie in a four over on the par fives that you meant to gobble up as a good player. Yeah. One of the more extraordinary rounds of golf. So congratulations to Cade McBride. And Becky Kay. Um, so he, he, you mentioned the man bun, uh, and it's a, a segue um, through Marcel Seam, who has been sporting the man bun for quite some time, wins the Paul Laurie match play, the European, the other European tour event that was taking place uh, against the Fiji Open, beats Adrian Otaegui from Spain. Um, so Seam has been... Um, oh, yeah, we need to get the Solheim Cup too before we get to um, Hannah Green as well. But, it, but this leads us to... It was a match play event, the Paul Laurie match play, obviously. Um, it leads us to a column that you felt the need to write um, on golf.org.au this week. And I encourage everyone to have a read of it. It's been getting quite a bit of traction, I see, Hazy. What, why did you feel the need to, to write what you wrote? And for those who haven't read it yet, just give us a snapshot of what you did write. Well, I thought... I th- it's, it's been in my head for ages, I suppose, the thought that, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired of 72 whole tournaments, especially by this time of the year. Um, I went through and added them up, and I estimate there's probably just around 500 72-hole events in all the men's and women's tours at all levels across the globe, at professional level, I mean. Uh, that's not to account amateur ones. Um, it's too much. I, you know, I I want to see something different. And we sit here, and I wrote in the column how test cricket is on the nose around the world, and a couple of people bit at me for that. But I'm telling you, other than you know England and Australia, England and South Africa, and maybe any Boxing Day, or anything to do with Australia is a bit different because we, we crave it. But if you tell me that West Indies and Sri Lanka is going to have them uh, hanging from the rafters at Colombo, I've got another story to tell you. Anyway, and I think that's the, that's the point here. It's, you know, the, the test format... Well, good, which is effectively our 72-hole medal play things we can have for major championships, etc., national championships. The rest of it's moved on. The The interest of world golf and media in particular and the young people coming through is, is not with test cricket, and I think the same needs to be applied to golf. I think we need to see different formats, different lengths of tournaments, different scoring systems, mixed anything anything that... Super six, off, don't super, six. super six yep. in Perth. That, Anything that's that was off quite successful. It was very successful and a great concept by the Australian PGA Tour. And you know, it's, they're to be commended for trying something. And we keep banging on about the Vic Open, the format there. I perhaps suggested Andy that maybe we could have a month whereby, in the middle of the Women's Australian Open, the Perth Super Sixes, and the and the concurrent Vic Men's and Women's Opens, we might have something that the Masters has reborn as a as a mixed Stableford event. And we get, you know, a limited field maybe, but we might get 
26 of the best teams, men's and women's teams, that we could put together in a mixed Stableford competition. And, and let's have a month where Australian men and women can be seen to be trailblazers in the world of golf. Love it. Jim Tucker from the Courier Mail wrote a piece that people might like to dig up as well this week where he suggested that uh, Cameron Smith and Jason Day play an 18-hole kind of uh, head-to-head yep. exhibition event against each other. Two Queenslanders, get them to Queensland because I think Jason has said he, well, Jason has said he's coming down to Australia this year, hasn't committed to which event he'll play, but the feeling seems to be that it might be the, the uh, Emirates Australian Open, oh, no, the Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. which means that he'd miss the PGA if, that's, if that turns out to be correct. But why not have the two Queenslanders get out to a course on the Gold Coast or somewhere like that, maybe in Brisbane, and play 18 holes head-to-head? Uh, that, that'd get a crowd. Oh, no doubt. It would, you know? Of course it would. People love seeing that sort of stuff. And it gives something different to people to talk about. Like, you know, I couldn't care less about the third-tier third tennis tournament being played in, you know, Portugal or, you know, Argentina in some, you know, far-flung place. Well, we've got to actually take our, you know, our uh, myopic view off here mm. and have a look at the big picture. The chances are, if you're not interested in golf, you won't care about a third-tier tournament unless it's got a quirky little nature about it, and the media brings it to your attention. And if we can't get the media involved with 72 old metal play on a regular basis, we d- you know, we're barking up the wrong tree. And, and admittedly, things like the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup and the Solheim Cup are the best oh, yeah. of the best. So that, that, whenever you attract the sort of quality of players that come into those sorts of events, you are going to get you know, natural interest that comes with it. But as much as the quality of players, and it's the segue into the Solheim Cup here, Blakey, mm. is the fact that you're seeing them play different forms of Golf. I mean, it's they're not just playing, you know, four rounds of singles uh, across the the four rounds. They are mixing it up, and it's that's what generates in these events the special emotion and atmosphere and flavour of them as much as the quality of players. Because we, we get to see these guys and girls every week teeing it up. It's not new to see the best players playing. But in that forum, it's 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 breathtakingly um, interesting. Before we do Solheim, I made one last thing here. Uh, I was chatting to Craig Spence, the 1999 Australian Masters champion, stitched up Greg Norman, which he loves telling people. <laughs> Uh, about this, and he actually as you would, yeah, absolutely yeah. as you would. Um, he he is actually uh, praising the you know the loose foundation of what I was writing about, and he actually suggested something that could um, take over tying a few things together here, Andy. The the what is the FedEx Cup? That after the last uh, tour event, we basically go to the wall and pick pick teams, school style off the wall, <laughs> so that we'd have in this instance we might have Team Hideki, Team Dustin. Um, Team Jordan, Team Jordan, and and Team Day, whatever the top four are, and we might have the same apply on the women's side, and we might be able to, you know, conjure something here where we have a knockout teams competition that has a final, a legitimate final in four weeks' time, and you can imagine the interest that would generate. I mean, it's just one idea, and it was off the top of his head, but not bad from Spencey. You're only limited by your imagination when it comes to this stuff. There's options out there that you can embrace and um, new frontiers that you can forge if you want. It's just whether or not the game recognises that it's got a problem that needs solving. That's what they've got to do. And breaking the mould, it's a good read, um, yours. Thanks. Um, The Solon Cup... Won by the US? Dominated, really. I mean, it was really probably... They went out hard early? Yeah, they they, they established a, a fairly significant lead... You know, momentum. Isn't momentum a fascinating... If you knew how... But they had it. They had it early, and at no stage did they really let it up. They just... The home ground advantage, home course advantage, and the fans drove them. And 
depth, of, depth of American golf, you know, it's pretty hard to match that. So they pop uh, Danielle Kang into the team this time what for the first star. time. She dominates. Uh, they've got Lexi Thompson there. It was a great match on the last day. Lexi Thompson and Anna, Anna Norgvist uh, had a, you know, Norgvist went out to four, you know, four up lead. And then Lexi Thompson was, you know, uh, Julie Inkster, the captain of the American team, was sort of hugging her on the fairway. She was very upset about the way she was playing. She ends up getting back to square the match, mm. but uh, it was terrific. The interesting thing that came out of it was Julie Inkster said afterwards in her press conference, Hazy, you would have cottoned on to this, that uh, she felt that women's golf generally across the board just didn't get the respect that it deserved. And I absolutely agree with her. So, mm. And I'm sure you do, yeah. Hazy, but uh, she went quite hard at it. She said that, uh, you know, I think she was probably talking about corporates, media, etc. You know, and I, I looked this up this morning. You know, the, the leading player on the LPGA Tour, which is the biggest women's tour in the world, so on you who we spoke to a few weeks ago on this program, her earnings this year are $1.73 million. She's been a dominant player, but she's earned $1.73 million, Pretty handy cash. Hideki Matsuyama, the Japanese player, leads the US PGA Tour. He's earned $8.12 million. So you're looking at six times as much, something like that. So, um, And it's because the corporate money and the TV money is there. And it's a dog-eat-dog. It's, it's an open market. Um, so there are no rules with this, I guess. But it's something we all have to be aware of. No doubt. Pretty yeah. damning statistics. Uh, look, it goes it, – It's that. that's the macro. I mean, way down, you mentioned Daniel Kang. And I was talking to you know, a bloke I was playing golf with yesterday who was you know not recently over in America, played at TPC Summerlin, which – if you're on the PGA Tour, you get um, you know a provisional kind of membership uh, to use the facilities in the golf course. It's a PGA members golf course. Um, Danielle Kang's won a major. She's a suit, rising superstar. She you can't take your eyes off Great her. Great personality. You can't take your eyes off her in the Solheim Cup. She has no access to that golf course, but her brother who I believe kind of mixes his time between the web.com and occasionally gets a PJ Tour stuff. Well, he can walk on and use their facilities whenever he likes. Come on in, locker yours, car park yours. What do you want, sir? It's all yours. Well, the sister plays the pants off her brother, mm. but has no access to the golf course. So this is a measurement and in a tiny little sense of the inequity that exists in golf, you know, to a, to a degree. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's not fair. That one there is a bit more, uh, I think it's a bit more stark because that's something that can be readily fixed. We, we can't so. encourage, or we can encourage, we can't direct sponsors to say where they're going to spend their money for a higher price tournament, yeah, but we can de- definitely throw open gates to, to you know, TPC Summerlin. That's a disgrace. Yeah, no. Um, speaking of the women's game, Hannah Green about to join us. G'day, I'm My Golf Ambassador Jason Day. I'm really excited to be an ambassador for My Golf, Australian Golf's National Junior Program jointly run by Golf Australia and the PGA. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about teaching children the basic skills of golf in a safe and healthy environment, and just as importantly, about the life skills that golf can teach you that distinguish our sport from the rest. Remember to visit mygolf.org.au for more information. Hey, it's Jeff Ogilvy. I can't be in Australia very often, but I love keeping up with everything on Inside the Rope podcast. Good bunch of guys, and I love listening. Well, there's so many great stories in Australian golf, particularly this, uh, these young chargers uh, all over the place at the moment who are threatening to take the game by storm. And 
There's nary been a week go by on Inside oh. the Ropes this year where the name Hannah Greenhazy has not been mentioned. Andy, I was absolutely <laughs> disgusted last week. Okay, we missed we missed bifurcation and we missed <laughs> Hannah Green. And and we had a flood of callers. Just get what are you doing? So we've had to right the ship in a big way this week. Uh, so we haven't got bifurcation on, but we have got <laughs> Hannah Green on the show who's been making some significant waves over there in the US on her first year as a pro on the Symmetra Tour. She joins us on Inside the Ropes. Hannah, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Have you? Um, there's a lot of th- stuff we want to talk to you about, and it's lovely to talk to you as opposed to talking about you for a change. But um, have you, in a nutshell, kind of exceeded all your own expectations this first year out? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I won my fourth event over on the Symmetra Tour. And I knew I was capable of winning, but I really didn't think it would come so early in the season. Um, I definitely put myself in good position um, for my next six events. Uh, to hopefully secure my LPGA card, but I did. Uh, obviously, I have all my goals, but I think I've achieved them, achieved them a bit quicker than what I thought. So that's always a bonus. So yeah. How much pressure does that take off you? I mean, it's remarkable that you can head out your first year, still a teenager, and win a professional tournament on the other side of the planet. In terms of um, just releasing the pressure on you and making you feel like you belong and you're comfortable and, you, you know, okay, I've got this. How big an achievement was that for you? Oh, definitely. Um, obviously, being in the top ten is it's quite a hard goal to achieve because it's completely out of your hand. Like, you have to play as well as you can, but um, some weeks you don't play well. So for me to be inside the top uh, ten um, since my fourth event, it's been really, yeah, like you said, definitely helped the pressure. Um, I've still quite got a little bit of a buffer. Um, I still obviously got to perform well in my last six events, but the pressure's not there for me to have to have a win to creep back into the top ten, so that's nice. So, Hannah, you're number five now, uh, and as you mentioned, the top ten get a card to play on the main tour next year. Uh, what does that mean for the rest of the year? Like, if you stop playing now, for instance, do you think you would stay inside that, or do you need to still uh, get a few results in there to make yeah, sure? Yeah, I think... I think if I, um, well, I'm definitely going back um, to play. I'm go- leaving on Sunday, and I'm going to play all six events. Um, they're six weeks in a row. Um, wow. I, don't, I think if I didn't play, I would get uh, knocked out of the top ten because I know the girls that are behind me are obviously playing well enough to win. So yeah, uh, I don't want that to happen. But if, say, I won the first two events, I think I would still continue uh, playing on the symmetrical just, for, just so that I have some competition and something to play in otherwise because my my season finishes in october but quite early so i mean i want to be keep playing and um you know make as much money as i can and how's it been uh, as a pro out on the tour you know like uh, i remember sue o going over to the symmetra tour a couple of years ago and she really really struggled with the personal aspects the living away from home being away from family that sort of stuff and even just the going from city to city, the money aspects, all that sort of stuff. How's that been going for you? And what are your living arrangements and that kind of thing? Yeah, so I still live in Perth with my parents. Um, I haven't actually gotten a base over in the US just yet. Um, I found, like, it took financially, it was just not, uh, I guess, in the plans to do it this year. Um, never really would have had the chance to actually been um, home. So I've been on the road for four months 
just living out of a suitcase uh, with my golf club. So it's, <laughs> it's a lot harder than you think. Um, and that's expensive, isn't it? I mean, your, your prize money, just for the listeners to get a gauge of this, you've won fifty-seven grand this year. So a lot of that's going to be eaten up uh, by the travel. Yes, exactly. Um, luckily, I've been with, with the Symmetra Tour, you can actually drive to events and we can also get housing every week. Um, so obviously that limits some costs, but still for an Australian to be all the way over in the US is going to be expensive. Um, but I think I've done all right this year. I've tried to limit my expenses as much as I can without, you know, not treating myself right. So. I was going to ask you about that, Hen. It's, when you say on the road, you are literally on the road, aren't you? Like yeah. you're, you must have seen some incredible things on the on the interstates and hopefully off the interstate freeway system. <laughs> yes, we've um, we've done a lot of driving, a lot more than what I've been used to. A bit living in Perth, it's not like I will just drive over to Melbourne for a quick trip. But <laughs> um, no, it's been a lot of fun. I've been hanging out with uh, the other Australians and Kiwis on tour, and we've tried to do some touristy stuff along the way, which is good thing when you've been away for so long it's nice to break it up a little bit but um no i think i've done pretty well this year what are some of the cool things you've done um we got to well all of us australians were in um san francisco we went to niagara falls three or four weeks ago so we there's not too many places that we can say we can do big things like that but when we get the chance to we definitely wouldn't uh put it aside so yeah Reading about you, Hannah, you're clearly, for a long time now, I mean, you know, you're 19 now and you're a six-time WA State squad member. You've been playing this game, you know, in earnest for a long time now. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're really committed to this. This is what you do. You know, you see yourself as a golfer and, you know, you do what it takes to be the best player you can be. Mm -hmm. Um, It can consume you a little bit. I reckon any time people get, you know, that far into the zone of any of this sort of stuff, have you... How, how conscious are you at this young age of your kind of golf-life balance, getting that right? Yeah, definitely, because there's a, like a lot of, I was at um, Mount Woolley and I did a junior clinic and I see, I, the thing I told the kids was just to make sure that you have balance in your life. Um, I remember the year after I graduated high school, I wasn't working or anything, so I was literally at golf every day, just hitting balls and, you know, putting and chipping and. I ended up going backwards almost and mm. I was just too much, too technical and I literally didn't have a social life and I think that really, I guess, shocked me and so I've definitely tried to balance my life as much as I can. Obviously, I don't practice, I must say I don't practice as long as I used to but what I do now is definitely more um, appropriate and going to benefit me so yeah, I, I really think it's important mixing and balancing your life, definitely. And you know us grubby media types, we always like to sort of, you know, stir up a bit of controversy. <laughs> I'm going to actually throw you under the bus here. I reckon that you're going to start up a massive rivalry with Hannah, with Nana Madsen. What do you reckon? <laughs> she's she's just pipped you at the post in the Women's Australian Open. She's got the Battlefield promotion probably just ahead of you. Hopefully we can get there for you in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to sort of have an ongoing rivalry so we can really... Because we're too nice to Danish people. Oh, yeah. Plus, we want the headline, Hannah V. Nana. I yeah. mean, it's just sort of made for it, isn't it? Oh, really? yeah. you know? I know. It's just meant to be. <laughs> it Hannah's is. A good friend. Tell, it, no, tell us you hate her guts and all this <laughs> stuff that we're going to see some real biffo over the next few years. <laughs> well, if I can win another two, that'd be great. I'd love to see the headline. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we are, you know... I don't know whether you're a big consumer of stats and all that sort of stuff, but I was kind of having a look at your 
um, your stats on the tour this year, and they're really impressive. I mean, it's unbelievable what you've been able to do. And, you know, you're top five in about four or five categories and top 20 in about three or four others. Mm-hmm. But one thing I did notice, Hannah, you, you largely play three-round events. And yeah. the couple of times you played four-round events, in the fourth round, um, you've shot 64 and 69 and finished really strong. Do you think that that's a strength of yours, the stamina, your ability to you know play that extra round, to grind and grind and grind? Is that is that something that you see as a, a real strength of yours once you start playing four round events? Yeah, I think so. Um, I obviously I've never seen any of the courses that we play out on tour, and I guess that's one of the disadvantages of being a rookie. Um, I think it really helped me this year with the ALPG season, being able to play them all the courses as an amateur. But I just get more comfortable. Um, seeing the course before the before the tournament I might play 36 holes of practice rounds and you know every time we play the three round events I'm urging for another round most of the time so I really like playing four rounds um, which is definitely a good benefit because sometimes it's a long week yeah I bet Hannah I I know you've been listening to our podcast and I'm I'm assuming you've heard all the uh you know, the, the WA people in particular sing your physical praises, uh, that you're pumping the boys in the gym, for example. Uh, does, how does that sit with you, for one? But, um, you know, it, that's that's got to stand you in good stead in these longer seasons now that you've put in all that hard work as a base. Yeah, definitely. It, no, I did listen to that podcast. It was hilarious. Um, but no, that was good. I don't mind, honestly. If I could outlist the guys now, then that'd be pretty impressive. But definitely not. But... Um, no, I think it's really important, um, definitely, that I, you know, I got into going to the gym early, um, I, and I actually really enjoy it, so it's not a, I don't feel like it's a chore or a thing that I have to do, like I'm really wanting to do it, um, and it's definitely helped with my body being on the road as well, travelling in a car for eight hours and, you know, playing golf week to week to week, it's definitely helped my stamina, which is really what you need out on the symmetric tour. Back in your amateur days, Hannah, you were in the Kari Webb squad, and I think there was some social media activity from Kari after you won in Florida earlier this year. Do you ever sort of get much sort of text contact or anything like that with Kari? Because I think back in those days you went and stayed with her and watched her in a tournament and stuff like that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I've um, I've actually reached out to Kari a couple of times. Um, I got to see her at Kingsmill and I got to see her at the US Open this year. She let me stay with the girls which is really nice. So I definitely reach out to Kari as much as I can, and she's really supportive um, towards my golf, which is really awesome. And I mean, all It's not a bad resource to have, is it, as a young professional? Yeah, no, exactly. She knows, I mean, she's been playing golf for, what, 20-odd years? I mean, professionally, so she she knows everything um, about it. So it's, it's really good to have someone who's been at such a high level um, and to have her as a close friend and get feedback and ask for advice. Well, Hannah, hopefully in about you know fifteen years' time, the next wave of teenagers coming through the ranks uh, in you know Australian golf will be looking up to Hannah Green and hoping that they can rub shoulders with you and um, you can teach them uh, about you know the, the the all the bits and pieces they need to know to be the very best player they can be. You made a mighty start, and I hope you don't mind us talking about you all the time on the podcast. But um, <laughs> we, we we've enjoyed from afar watching you do what you've been doing. Good luck for the last six weeks and. Appreciate you joining us on the show. No worries. Thanks for having me. Good on you. Hannah Green joining us on Inside the Ropes.
The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch a golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews, and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf. G'day guys, it's Ryan Russell here. I know I'm a long way from home, playing on the Latin America tour and living in the US, but I keep up with all my Australian golf while listening inside the ropes. So just about done and dusted for Inside the Ropes. Uh, don't forget, of course, uh, subscribe to the show uh, on Apple Podcasts. Either of you blokes Android users or you're both on the Apple, Apple, on the Apple platform. There. Well, there Apple. are some Android users still out there. Download the podcast through Google Play. Get the show delivered to your device every Thursday. You can also find Inside the Ropes on Spotify and your favourite, uh, Blakey Stitcher. You're a big yeah. Stitcher fan. Um, Hazy, we're talking about Golf Month a lot, and it's getting closer by the well, literally, it is getting closer by the day. Yeah, don't forget it's October, Andy, uh, and we're encouraging everyone to get involved right around the country. Um, at this time around, we're giving you the chance to win one of four Ultimate Golf Bug Adventures. That's the theme this year, Golf Bug. We'll talk a bit more about that in coming weeks, but one of four Ultimate Golf Bug Adventures to Barn Bugle, Cape Wickham, and Ocean Dunes, thanks to Air Adventure oh, Golf Tours. Geez. So it's going to be an absolutely cracking prize. Did we get any feedback last week? I think we'll need to go down and scout all of these courses and facilities just to make sure they're... There's no doubt we have to do I that. I think we'll need to get down there. I think I need to get on to Biz Sattler about What are this. the Sattlers doing? No, they'll, they'll invite us. They're good people. Beautiful. Oh, Love Barn Bugle. Right. So oh, all you have to do is tell us in 150 words or less who you're going to share the golf bug with this October and and how. And you do that at golfmonth.com.au. There are hundreds of great activities on the Golf Month website. More at it every day. And maybe you'll take a friend with a disability to an inclusive golf clinic. Take your brother or sister to play night golf. Or maybe simply take your partner to play mini golf and hit a few balls at the range. doesn't matter how you do it. But let's show our friends and family, Blakey why we love this game, and how much fun it can be. Perfect. Maybe they can show an ageing um, hack golfer how he can still swing a club <laughs> with a damaged intercostal. With a bung wrist, rib, ribs. <laughs> Is this possible, or am I going to have to stop playing? Hazy, you've had one of these before. Am I going to stop playing for a while? You're, or? you're out. A couple of months. Can I just say about Matty Dick, just general business? Matty Dick will be a name known to some people. Played a bit of footy for Sydney and Carlton. Uh, was forced out of the game, far too young, has now taken on golf. Played with him yesterday when I blew my intercostal to the Shizen. He finished at uh, Peninsula South. He finished, have a listen to this, plays off about 12 or 13, finished birdie, birdie, par, birdie, birdie. No Four way. under the last five he's had, off the beater, if you don't mind. Wow. That is the best okay. finish to a golf round I've ever seen from a non-professional player. Uh, it was at Peter O'Malley Scottish Open from... 1995, when it was written all over the way, he finished his round. It was awesome. Did you feign the rib injury to avoid payment of said debts? <laughs> I don't. Yes. Oh, that makes buddy. sense. Buddy. Yeah, that makes sense. General now. business. Uh, Byron Nelson's 1966 <sighs> Masters Green Jacket yep. was bobbed up in an auction in America, and Augusta National Golf Club took 
uh, legal action in the last couple of weeks to stop the auction going ahead. The bidding had got, had got at that point to $114,000. Because bearing in mind, boys, as you both know, those green jackets are only wearable within the, the boundary of Augusta National Golf Club, except for the winner who can wear it anywhere for the first year. Oh, yeah, exactly. Then he has to return it back. It hangs in a locker there. So, And Billy Payne, the uh, chairman of Augusta, has stepped down. He's going to be replaced by Fred Ridley, who is his hand-picked replacement. Uh, he's a former U.S. amateur winner, Fred Ridley. There you go. And happy Tom- birthday to Peter Thompson. Yeah, that's the big one. Five-time British Open winner or Open Championship winner who turned 88 this week. is a great man, Peter Thompson. He's been a great supporter of Hazy and I and all the, the journos who, who get round on the, on the tour. Excellent. Um, he'd be delighted to see that the game continues to expand its borders here in Australia and um, Hazy, before we wrap it up today, we've got um, the Northern Territory PGA Championship coming up very, very shortly, isn't it? Yeah, next, next week, it from is. Uh, Thursday to Sunday next week, uh, and it, we're excited to have uh, Noel Fay here, the general manager here of, of Kazali's at Palmerston, the host course up near Darwin. Uh, it's the second time that this event's been on the Australian PGA Tour schedule, and, and hopefully, and we're here to talk about it today, it's becoming a thriving uh, part of the of the tour's future. So, Noel, welcome to you. Good morning. Thank you. You must be very excited that things are coming up so beautifully. Uh, we're extremely excited. Uh, continuing on from last year when it was a great event, and uh, we've got a fantastic field this year. And a real territory sort of uh, element to it too. I mean, you've got Anthony Quayle coming back, who's originally a territory boy, and I know one of our favourites on this program, Noel, we've had uh, Jed, Jed Morgan on, and he, he came up and, and did really well in the Northern Territory Amateur earlier in the year, so it's yep. good, good to get that sort of uh, you know, territory flavour about it. Yeah, no, we're, we're keen on... Uh, I mean, the motivator was always about trying to raise the profile of golf and get more players into golf and to lift the standard here, so uh, we're achieving that. No, one of the things we've spoken about on Inside the Ropes occasionally uh, in our first series is is making sure the game is readily accessible to the Indigenous community. Obviously, you've got a you know a vast Indigenous community in your part of the world. Is that part of um, what the NTPGA is all about as well, to sort of make all people feel included in the game? Yeah, we've... Um we inaugurated a Path to Palmerston event, which uh, allows two players from each of the clubs around the Territory, so Groot Island, Gove, Catherine, Alice Springs, all through the Territory, to win positions in the Pro-Am on the Wednesday, and that's been highly successful. That's fantastic. That's awesome. We've also sent a professional out to one of the communities, and we couldn't just get it to work this year, but next year we're very confident. And we've also just produced one of the hitting bays uh, for the club, which we'll be taking around to the communities this year to try and raise the profile. And oh, that's great work. Do you do you feel like the, the territory is buying in, like to make it a you know a regular part on the on the sporting calendar up there? Yeah, we've had wonderful support from the government, from the Northern Territory government and the Department of Sport. They've really got behind it. They can see because we do a lot of looking. Uh, towards Asia, they can see this could become a huge event. And in fact, this year we've got 10 players from the Asian tour going to play. Uh, we've got four from the US, uh, Singapore, Thailand, uh, Malaysia, Korea. So we've got a great uh, international contingent coming this year. And get a couple of crocs somewhere and uh, <laughs> get the NT News down there and a couple of sort of brazen tourists. Maybe we're in, we're in business for a bit of global coverage. 
funny you say that. We've got two things going on. One is we actually have uh, we've got lakes on the course and we've discovered three crocs in there. Oh, <laughs> you're going to leave don't. them there? We've had to put out warning signs. Oh, don't. And then on Tuesday we're going to throw a couple of the Asian players into the cage of death, <laughs> where we have uh, you know a huge crocodile that swims around and they drunk they drop drop the bloke into the water with him. <laughs> should be pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, news will be all over. So, so when that bloke's standing over his first six-footer and his hands are shaking yep. uh, and he can't put a pure stroke on it, we'll know why. Well, there might be some gamesmanship going on. <laughs> hey, wow. what, what sort of... New meaning to miss the cut. <laughs> 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 tell, us about the go- tell us about the golf course, Noel. Uh, well, it's an 18-hole golf course. Um, it was... Uh, nine holes were built uh, probably... Five ten years before the second nine was built, so it in fact has two characteristics to it. It has a lot of water on the front nine, and on the back nine, it's very tight. It's a very tight course. Um, you need every club in your bag to negotiate it. Mate, it sounds like a fantastic event, and there's obviously some really important work to be done. You know, in that part of Australia, expanding the game's boundaries and taking it to, you know, new constituents. Um, you're part of all of that, and I'll have a great tournament. Uh, and we look forward to talking about um, how it all plays out on Inside the Ropes down the track. No, thank you very much. Very exciting. Good Thanks, on you. Noel. Noel Fay from the Palmerston Golf Club, the host of the Northern Territory PGA Championship. Um, that's just about it, boys. We're just about done and dusted. Happy um, rehab, Andy. I hope you're back playing golf soon. Gir- girdles, I'm told, Blake, are a real key <laughs> to be able to um, you get over this as quickly he as you can. come up well in that. Is it really mm. going to take 10 weeks? Every time he's, we've made him laugh today, he's just cringing. Oh, no, it's, it's unbelievable. I can't we, get comfortable. We apologise for any groans. We haven't had to change the rating of the podcast just yet, but a couple more laughs and Andy might. Oh, and we do, we do need to just, uh, for those of us, for, for those tuning in who thought Ali Whitaker might be here to have a chat about the Solar Home Cup, Blakey did a magnificent job in her absence, but um, such is the nature of global commuting, uh, she just wasn't able to be here on time. No, she got uh, held up coming across the, the Pacific, but we are very keen, obviously, always, to have Ali involved with her and her insight into the Solheim Cup from the league commentator's perspective is going to be fascinating when we get her in next. That is it. Gazelle, see you, boys. good work. Hazy, see you next week. See you, Murray. Thanks for tuning in to Inside the Ropes, folks. We'll do it all again next week.